So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. The only thing necessary for evil to prevail is that good men and women do nothing. I am simply a mouthpiece for good men and women around the world who want to make a difference. The engagement and the involvement of ordinary people is what is going to change our criminal justice system. Many have tried and failed, but the only difference between them and me is I'm bringing an army with me. This is Truth and Justice. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow-up to episode 310, The Stanberries. I'm your host, Bob Ruff. And I'm your co-host, Mike Bussing. All right, well, this week has once again set social media on fire. Uh, lots of questions, lots of discussions. I think this really is the most I've seen. Without a doubt, we've had the most activity on social media this week. Yeah, since season three has began, this is the most activity on the discussion boards. Uh, the Truth and Justice podcast fan page has been going crazy with discussion, and of course, Twitter and email and everything else. So let's go ahead and get started with this week's social media section of the Friday follow-up. Okay, Bob, the first topic I want to get into is the white Camaro that Shirley Stanbury saw across the street. The first question is, how long was the car parked there? There seems to be a little confusion about that. Yeah, I saw a lot of that confusion on social media where some people thought that what she meant was that the car was parked across the street for a week. And that wasn't the case. It wasn't parked. It was a week later that she saw it parked over there. And as far as the amount of time, it sounds like it was just because, you know, I've talked to Shirley and Danny more than what was on the podcast after that. Uh-huh. Uh, and it sounds like it was just that morning she saw that white Camaro out there and thought, that's weird. What is that car doing back there? And then she kind of went about her, her business and, and looked back a, a little while later and it was gone. So it was, it was just there that morning. It wasn't parked there for a long period of time. It was just there that morning. Okay. And then with where it was at, there was a little confusion and some discussion about it being in the woods. Can you elaborate on that at all? Yeah. So they call it the woods. And Mike, you've seen the pictures of it. So yeah. in inner city, Texas, the woods is like a place where there's trees. Uh, but these are like hardwood trees, 30, 40 feet apart, uh, mowed in between. Very, it's, it's not really like a forest. You could, you could drive any car through these, quote, woods at any time. So it's just a group of trees. Like here in Michigan, we wouldn't call that the woods. It would just be like, I don't know, a wooded area. But we have very dense woods here. So you're, you're talking about an open field with a few trees that they're calling the woods, the car was pulled up into those trees, which was about 20 feet behind where Kia was found. So you, so the layout is you have the fence, and then you have uh, maybe 40 feet of just grass, and then behind that starts uh, these sporadic trees, the, the, quote, woods area. And the car was back there in those trees sure. just that morning. Okay, and then another listener was asking if any of the crime scene photos showed maybe tire tracks back there in the woods. 
Well, that was the problem. Is kind of what I had mentioned on episode three ten. Is I don't think that the police really look back there in those woods because in the crime scene photos that I have, there's nothing from. And all the photos are from right around where the body was found, out in the street, or from the street towards where the body was found. We can see the woods back there, but there's it doesn't look like at least not the photographer ever, from what I have anyway, walked back through those woods and took photos. So I'm assuming that they didn't because through my open records request with the DA's office, I was supposed to get all of the crime scene photos as long as they didn't show Kiao's body. So because of the fact that I didn't get any, then that should mean that there aren't any and they were never back there. Okay, and then a few listeners want to know if we had gotten a copy of Shirley Stanberry's police report. No, the thing is that there wasn't an actual police report, uh, and there was some confusion about that too. From what Shirley told me, she didn't call 911 and report the car, make an actual report reporting the car in the woods across the street that morning. What she did was call Detective Royster and was talking to him about the investigation and told him is what the way she remembers it. Okay, some of the listeners' questions were about Shirley calling the police repeatedly. Were all of those calls about the car? No, they weren't about the car. And so that that was part of what kind of got confused in the interview was uh, her saying that she was constantly nagging the police. She wasn't nagging the police about the car. What it was, so re- remember, in, for the Stanberries, Danny finds his body across the street. Shirley's there that morning. They're watching. They put their blanket over her. They, they know Kiao. They've seen her walking by many times. This is very, very traumatic for them. And Shirley is starting to get really, really concerned about the neighborhood uh, and whether it's okay for them to have their little daughter there. And so remember, so what they're thinking is there is a killer out on the loose, which is true. There was a killer out on the loose at that point, uh, maybe still today, actually. But so she continually said she kept calling Detective Royster and asking them if they've had any updates. Have they solved the case? Do they have a suspect? She was constantly calling him and bothering him about it because she was scared to death. And so those were the calls where she said she kept bugging and nagging at them, uh, was just checking on the investigation. What she was saying was during one of these calls, she told Royster that that white Camaro was across the street. She's like, something's weird. I got up in the morning and there's this white Camaro parked in the woods uh, behind where Kiao's body was found. And she just thought it was weird and let him know. I don't know. And she doesn't remember if that happened the day they saw the Camaro. Uh, She says likely it was or a couple days later. But Royster seemed disinterested, according to her. But we do have to consider the fact that uh, Royster was probably a little annoyed that she kept calling. Also, at this point, this is a week after the murder, he hadn't heard the story from Jesse James Wendell and Judy Gonzalez yet about the white Camaro. So... He had no reason to think the white Camaro had any involvement in the murder at that point, probably why it didn't set off any red flags for him. Okay, now let's talk about Kia's final resting place. There were a lot of people that talked about if she was dumped on the side of the road or if she crawled from the woods out of the car to where she died. What do you have to say about that, Bob? Yeah, I saw a lot of these different theories floating around social media this week. Uh, Listener Hillman on Twitter had asked me about this, and I promised that we would cover it in this week's Friday follow-up. So Hillman, here is the response to that. The question was, could Kiao's final resting place have been just a body dump? And they were wondering, is it possible that she was just killed in the car and then they just dumped her body? And my response that I said on Twitter was, I doubt it. And the reason for that is her body was found, I don't know, like 25 feet from the road through a fence. You know, so if if the idea is just a, a body dump, right, or an actual body dump is you're just trying to get the body away from you and out of your car so you can get out of there. So if you're going to, quote, dump a body, you're going to open the door, throw her out on the side of the road, and get the hell out of there. So they did, there's no way that they would have carried 
Kiel, 30 feet, you know, from the road through the fence to where she finally ended up, drop her, go back into the car to leave to dump the body. So I don't think that where Kiao ended up was an attempt at body concealment or a body dump. But what about her being dumped on the side of the road and then crawling to where she ended up? I don't think that that's very likely either, and that's for a couple of reasons. Uh, Let me grab here one of the pages from uh, Detective Watts' notes, and these are from 8593, and we'll get these up on the website. He went back to the ME's office to re-examine Kiao's clothing to see if he could learn anything more about you know, how the crime was committed. And there are a few things noted here. One is that there's no grass or scuff marks on her clothing, meaning she wasn't drug anymore. So we can, we can rule out that they drug her body to that location. Also, from the sounds of this report, there's not a lot of grass stains or any scuff marks on the knees of the clothing. It doesn't look like she crawled through the grass either. Also, Watts points out that the blood on Kiao's clothing kind of tells us a bit of a story as well. Now, I think he has, I don't know if this is a typo or if he's just wrong here, but he says he believes that she was either in a seated position or laying prone when she was killed. I don't think he meant prone because prone would mean... Prone would mean on her stomach, but he says she has blood pooled on the buttocks of the pants, so that wouldn't really make sense. Yeah, it would make more sense that she was laying what we would call supine, which means on your back rather than the stomach. But one thing that he did notice is there are no blood drops on her shoes and there are no blood drops on her pants, meaning vertical blood drops, like if it would drip off of her face or out of her mouth or any of the other wounds that you would you would be able to tell a distinct pattern where the blood drops hit her pants. Right. And there's none of that on there. So it looks like she was laying very much like Jim Clementi had said that she was laying on the ground while she was being stabbed. Yeah. Uh, but he did say that there was a lot a lot of blood pooling in the buttocks area. And that's why he thought that maybe she was sitting when she was stabbed. Sure. Which that certainly is a possibility as well. Uh, But another thing to note is if she was indeed laying on her back. So obviously we know there's a dynamic crime scene. She's rolling around. She's being stabbed front and back. Uh, After she's stabbed, she rolls over onto her back. I would expect because of these wounds to see a lot more blood on the buttocks area than anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And that's because you have some pretty major arteries that run through your buttocks. Yeah, the femoral artery runs right through there. Right. And, you know, you, you may not think this, but a deep stab to the buttocks, well, you could actually bleed out from that if it's if it's placed in the, in the right place. So she has two of these deep stab wounds, one in her buttock and one in her thigh. Both of these are like four and a half inches deep. So they're going to bleed a lot more. So if you're laying on your back and you have these cuts in your thigh and your buttock, you're going to get a ton of blood pooled around the buttocks area. Right. Now, the other stab wounds that were on her back, remember, they were all shallow. Remember, that's where we thought maybe we had the less experienced killer or the more hesitant killer, because these are all like short stab wounds on her back. Only one even got an organ. Remember, one barely punctured the lung. The rest were all just flesh wounds on her back. The stab wounds that would have made the most amount of blood were the ones on the front. You know, she's got a deep one that went through her diaphragm, her liver. Uh, You have one to her aorta, which is going to cause a ton of internal bleeding, Mm -hmm. and other ones in the lungs. So those are going to create the most blood. But if she's laying on her back, you know, the the gravity, once that aorta's cut, there's no more blood pressure to pump the blood. And so it's not going to, you know, just spew out of the holes in the chest. It's just going to settle inside of her internally. So I think that the blood on her clothing indicates to us that she either was sitting up or laying down on her back. Not Maybe not when she was being stabbed, but directly after that. Or like Jim Clemente had described, she's rolling around being stabbed and then ends up on her back. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chamba life is for everybody. So go to ChambaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChambaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChambaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah, and you'd also think that had she crawled after sustaining those chest wounds, that there'd be more blood on the front of her in that instance. Oh, for sure. And there would be a blood trail, which they did look for and didn't find. But yeah, I mean, you have a punctured aorta, a punctured lung, a punctured liver, a punctured diaphragm. If you're crawling, say, on all fours, then literally the, the gravity, is just, that blood is just going to pour out onto the clothing especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think you would have seen a lot more blood on the ground. You would have seen more blood on her clothing. I really think that she was stabbed right there where she died. And then along those lines, a lot of listeners are wondering why Kiao's knees were up when Danny Stanberry found her. What do you make of that? Yeah, I saw a few people were suggesting that that might be an indication that she was carried to her where she was found. You know, like what somebody was in in front of her holding under her arms and then someone on the other end of her holding under her knees. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think that's the case at all. And and you both of us have had EMT training. Uh, We both know that when you look for somebody in um, what we call they they call call that posturing, Uh, when someone is posturing like that, bringing their knees up. Uh, that that typically means abdominal injury, right? Exactly. So that is a a typical limbic system response to injuries to the abdomen in that area is you bringing your knees up to protect the area, right? Just subconsciously, it's not even a decision that you make. So given the fact that when Danny Stanbury found Kiao, she was still alive, although she couldn't speak. It's not only normal, it would be expected for her to be posturing like that. Sure. Because uh, she's just subconsciously trying to protect herself. So that's why her knees were up. Okay, and let's talk about that for a second. Like her not being able to speak when Danny Stanbury found her. Was she alive? Was she dead? Was she... What do you make of that? Yeah, and that's something that's been kind of up for debate because you remember that uh, the first officers on scene said she was dead, but the paramedics said that she was unresponsive, but she was alive and they worked her. And my personal opinion is that she was still alive. Uh, And the reason that she could be alive and not be able to talk to Danny Stanbury is pretty simple. One of those stab wounds went through her lungs and her diaphragm. Okay. For those of you that don't know a whole lot about the human anatomy, uh, the diaphragm is a flat muscle that connects the entire, like the the bottom of your rib cage to your spine. Imagine a flat piece of muscle uh, in your lungs are, and that creates a vacuum cavity where your lungs are at above it. And so the way you breathe is that diaphragm contracts down it creates a vacuum and draws the air into your lungs and then goes up and pushes it back out. Your lungs don't actually have a muscle to contract. All of your breathing is controlled by your diaphragm. But the key is that it has to be a vacuum. So once you throw a knife through that diaphragm and puncture it, you no longer have a vacuum, which means no matter how much that diaphragm is moving, you're not bringing air in and you're not pushing air out. So basically what we're saying is once that knife went through her diaphragm, she's not going to be able, even if she's still alive, she's not going to be able to speak at that point. And so that actually makes perfect sense. Really, if you really break down her injuries, what we know about the blood and what Danny Stanbury witnessed and all of this together, I think it becomes even more clear that she was stabbed to death right there, right where she was found. Not out in the street, not in a car. I think she was clearly trying to flee someone. 
you know, as an example, if she got out of the Camaro or they let her out and she took off running and they caught her there and they killed her right there where they caught her. And I come to that conclusion when we just figure everything in together, right? So you have the blood on the buttocks of her pants where she has those deep cuts. You have no dripping on her shoes. You have no dripping on her pants. You have very little blood on the front of her chest where the most severe wounds are. But that's because once the aorta is cut, there's no more blood pressure. So blood is only going to go to where gravity takes it, which would be down. And since there was only one small knife wound in her back that actually punctured the chest cavity, most of that bleeding is going to stay internal. Therefore, not a lot of blood, other than the arterial cuts that were on the buttocks. I think that the attack happened very quickly before Danny Stanbury got there, meaning I do believe the dog witnessed the attack because of the fact that once you have holes in your lungs, your diaphragm, and your aorta, and your heart, you have very little time to still be alive. So the fact that when the paramedics got there, they said that she was still alive and they were trying to save her means that that had to have happened within minute. I don't know, five, six minutes tops, and that's right. pushing it. So I believe this had all happened very, very shortly before Danny Stanbury was alerted by his dog and went over and found Kiao. But when you take all that together, you look at her injuries, you look at her clothes, you look at all these circumstances together. I don't think that she crawled from the woods. I don't think she was dumped on the side of the road and crawled out there. I think she was stabbed exactly where she was found. Okay, moving away from Kiao's body, we had a Twitter comment that started quite the debate on social media this week. It really pertains to what we leave in the podcast and what we edit out. You're talking about the Danny Stanbury comment, quote, the blacks started moving in. Right. It got a little controversial. I can see why people might be a little upset about the situation, but I think that now would be a good time for you to explain exactly why we decide to leave that comment in the podcast and why other times we choose to take things out. Okay, so we can get into that. Uh, I don't want to call out the listener that, that had this question. She's been a very supportive, longtime listener, and we just, we uh, as we have to do a lot of times, have to kind of agree to disagree here. I am personally of the belief that there are just a lot of people that are just really looking for something to be offended about. And I don't mean to say that to be dismissive or anything like that, but I, I will tell you that I was frustrated. And there's, of course, there's times when I get frustrated because there's so much feedback with the show. But so the, the controversy was around me interviewing Danny Stanbury. And throughout the course of the interview, at one point he said, when we were talking about kind of the decline of the neighborhood, he said... Yeah, it was about that time. These things were happening. That's when the blacks started moving in. And that was the part that this particular listener found offensive, was that he said the blacks were moving in and was associating that with the decline of the neighborhood. And the question was, why didn't I edit that out? Because it was offensive. And the answer is, because that's what the man said. I was interviewing Danny Stanberry, and so when I do interviews, they're raw, they're real. I don't censor people, and I don't edit out their context. Now, there's times which you'll hear a little bit about later when we get into the voicemails, like when I was interviewing the who I called the fence guy, the guy that was out working on the fences at the school, where I edited out some of that conversation because there was just nothing to the conversation. But in Danny Stanbury's case, he was in context explaining what was going on in the neighborhood, why they moved away. And what Danny said, that's just who he is and that's how he talks. And now for someone, say, like a white lady who lives out in the Northeast, that sounded racist as hell. And it's offensive and something needs to be done about it. And the bottom line is, whether you were offended by it or not, you have to understand there's, number one, different cultures. So for a 65, 70-year-old man from Texas to say the blacks, to him, that may not be racist. Understand, Danny Stanbury's wife is a minority, by the way. But to him, that wasn't being racist. 
But to us, it seems racist because we come from different cultures and different times. I'll tell you right now, my grandfather, God rest his soul, not a racist bone in his body, but he would refer to African-Americans as the coloreds. And I guess I should give you a trigger warning for that, too. But I'm just just saying different people from different times and different cultures use different types of language. Now, if Danny Stanberry had started dropping N-bombs and getting very derogatory, I still wouldn't have edited it out. But I may have stepped in and said something about it to him. And that was also some of the question there was, well, why didn't you challenge what he said? Well, that wasn't why Danny Stanberry was on the podcast. He was on the show to talk about what he saw and what, from his point of view, was happening in the neighborhood. His place on the podcast and my place for interviewing him was not to correct him on his viewpoint of social issues. So I guess that, that's to answer the question. I think a lot of that already got covered on Twitter, but I wanted to address it because a few people are still, and it's been three or four days now, tagging on to that conversation, being upset about what was or wasn't edited out. So I hope that clears that up, and I don't mean to, in my conversation about offending people, to offend people who happen to disagree about this. Fair enough. That puts a button on that. And I also want to mention, we do have an interview in the can that might be a little offensive to some people, so... Yeah, we have an interview that I recorded, actually, on Sunday night. Uh, that is, the interview is with an African-American gentleman who was a gang member in Pleasant Grove in 1991. Uh, really fascinating interview with the guy. And I don't know if we're going to use it this week or next week. We haven't decided where we're going to use it yet. But it's questions like this. Like, he's going to say some things that you're going to disagree with. He's going to say some things that are going to make you cringe. So you have to decide, can you listen to that and understand that he has a different opinion than you and he comes from a different background than you and just listen to it for what it is or are you going to be offended by it? And this is your warning. And and I will on that episode because some of the language is pretty intense. uh, have trigger warnings up and that may be one you may have to decide if you just can't handle that stuff and that's okay. You're just going to have to not listen to that interview because it's raw and it's real and it made me uncomfortable. But I think that it is worthy of you listening to because of the content and the information that is contained inside of that interview. Okay, and before we get to voicemails this week, I do want to mention this comment from listener Julie from the fan page. She said she thinks it's odd that Kenneth called Kirby instead of Keow when he received a message from the police saying that they wanted to speak with him after Keow's death. Now, we know that Kenneth didn't necessarily know that Keow was dead at the time he made that call, right? He he didn't know anything. Right. He just got a message at work saying, the police want to talk to you. Okay. But even knowing that, why does he still decide to call his son? Well, this is the confusion here. So at trial, he says he called his son. And in 2017, this sounds really confusing to us. Why would he do that, right? Right. But remember, 1991, there's no cell phones. So what actually happened was... Oh, he called the house. Right. Kenneth called home, and Kirby happened to be the one who answered. So he calls home, talks to Kirby. Kirby thinks that mom is out shopping, I believe is what he testified to. And then he was, you know, he's wondering, why are the police looking for me? And then he starts wondering, well, could it be because of this employee who has a drug problem that didn't come to work today? You know, he's just kind of spitballing, trying to figure out what's going on. But Kenneth didn't get on the phone and call Kirby. Because I I had this, remember when we first started looking at this case, I was like, ooh, What's up with the husband? Why is he calling the son instead of his wife? Right. He must already know she's dead. Like, it was like, dun, dun, dun. Right. And it was like, dumbass. There's no cell phones. He just called his house. Yeah, there was nowhere else to call. Right. There was one place for him to call, (laughs) which was the house. He was calling the house, and he got his son. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you you can put some conjecture on that, but I think that's all it was. And keep in mind, like, we know Kiao had been brutally attacked and was dying or dead at that point. Kenneth just knew that he got a message, the police want to talk to you. 
And so he's like, what's going on? He immediately calls home, check on family, and Kirby answers. And then he finds out what happens after the fact. Okay, well, I think that takes care of social media for this week. Let's take a break and hear from our sponsors. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, let's get right into voicemails. We've got a few here today. Now, some of these questions you kind of already answered, but let's go ahead and play them. This first one comes from Casey in Tucson. Hi, Bob. Casey out here in Tucson, Arizona with a quick question for you. Uh, what proof do we have that where she was found is where she was killed? Is it possible that that's just a dump site, or do we know for a fact based on evidence that that's where she was killed? Thanks. Okay, I know you pretty much already answered this, but is there anything else you want to add as far as the body dump goes? I think we pretty much covered it in the social media segment. Um, you know, I, w- I guess I would add to that that the idea of where she was found being the body dump is just when you really look at it um, with common sense, it's ridiculous. Like, why, like leave a concealed area. You have a victim in a concealed area, either up there by the woods by Apache or in your vehicle, and so you drive to a wide open space in clear view of two houses while summer school is in session on school grounds and dump the body there. It's just not, I mean, if you're, if there's going to be a body dump, it's going to be somewhere where it can be concealed. I mean, that was, so I no, I mean that along with the, the injuries and the blood on her clothes and the no scuff marks and everything we discussed in the first segment. Uh, I think that we can pretty much rule out a body dump. I think that she was killed right there. Okay. This next one's from Sharon in San Antonio. Hi, Bob and Mike. This is Sharon from San Antonio. I've been listening since the beginning, Serial Dynasty Days, and I love what you're doing. What you've started is nothing short of a revolution in the criminal justice system, and episode 310 was amazing. It brought a lot of the pieces together. I believe Jesse James Swindell's story about seeing the abduction, and I believe it was Kiao he saw being abducted. One of the things that never made sense to me, though, is how did Kiao escape from the backseat of the Z-28 when there were two, three, or possibly even four assailants in the car restraining her and or blocking her way out. But what if Kiao didn't escape from the car? Okay, this message was really good, really thought-provoking, and I can tell Sharon spent a lot of time on it. She goes on for another couple of minutes about a theory, but I think we discussed pretty much everything in that theory. So, Bob, what are your thoughts on how Kiao got out of the car? To be honest, I don't know. There's there's a lot of scenarios that I could see, but I mean, we, we don't have evidence yet to really show how that we don't we don't have evidence that she was ever in the car other than uh, the the statements by jesse and judy you know we we believe i believe that that's what happened 
but we don't have evidence to prove that at this point. Then we have the weirdness of the uh, the white Camaro being in the woods a week later. Uh, but let's assume for a minute that that was her, that Jesse and Judy saw Kiao getting drugged into that Camaro. So then how does she get out? Well, there's a few scenarios I can think of. It could be that they let her out. I mean, if, if you have multiple assailants, and I think we discussed this a little bit last week, they may not all exactly agree on how they're going to handle this. It could be that they just wanted to rough her up and somebody else wants to rape her and then somebody else is having cold feet. Dude, get her out of here. This is terrible. Uh, it could be that she had that knife on her. She gets in the car, pulls the knife out, and they're like, oh, crap, let's get her out of here. I don't think that she fought her way out. I mean, just the way the Z28 is put together, if she was in the back seat, she ain't fighting her way out of that car. You know, you have uh, you have seat. It's a very small back seat. Uh, you would have to, if there's somebody sitting in the seats in the front, they would have to get out in order to fold the seats up in order for her to get out. So I don't think that she fought her way out of the car. I think for some reason, after a very short period of time, the assailant stopped the car and let her out or pulled her out or something. For some reason, they wanted her out of that car, but they didn't just want her gone. They continued to follow her and kill her. So it was like, I'm picturing the car stopping them, you know, the the passenger, say, getting out of the car, pulling the seat up and saying, you know, get this, get, get her out of here, get her out of there. They pull her out. She takes off running and they chase after her. Uh, I don't see that being the guy that was in the front seat chasing after her maybe the guys that were holding her in the back i don't know i just i guess that's a long-winded way of me saying i still don't know at this point how that happened yeah we don't have any concrete evidence about how she did get out of the car but we can agree that there are a lot of different scenarios that could explain how it happened moving on to the last voicemail and this one's my favorite i love this guy this one comes from scott in new york oh i remember this one yeah let's play it bob scott new york um you know, I, I hate to really say, uh, like, sometimes we make, like, simple mistakes. But, uh, and you probably won't play this on the air. Oh, I'm playing it, Scotty. the opportunity to talk to the guys from the school, and you never even asked them about the case. Yes, I did. Uh, it's a rookie mistake. You got to go back and talk to them. I'll bet you 10 bucks. I'll bet you 10 bucks. I'll come to one of your events on the air, and I will pay you your 10 bucks. I'm getting that $10, Scotty somewhere and i'll hand you the 10 bucks uh, at my own expense i'll fly across the country wherever it is <laughs> and i'll hand you your 10 bucks you should have talked to the guys from the school and see if they knew anything about the case i'll bet you bet you from past experience these guys are smart they're like highway guys they're like they're like uh road crews these guys soak up all sorts of stuff i'll bet you they know something about the car and I bet not this guy he didn't know shit scotty rookie mistake bob you should have talked to the guy anyway good podcast i'm a podcast junkie um i'm a deputy mayor in my little village in new york and i'm surrounded by my police department all the time but you made a rookie mistake bob and uh um, keep up the good work thanks a lot so anyway, Scott, they, and, I, and I hope uh, you sound like a guy who's got a sense of humor, Scott. That's why I was kind of joking around with you. Uh, but this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about what we edit out and leave in. Uh, I talked to the fence guy for about 30 minutes and uh, had all of that recorded. His tractor was running in the background the whole time. It was terrible audio. And the whole conversation went, uh, do you remember Kiao Gove? No, can't say I do. Uh, she went by JIT, worked in the lunch lady. Nope. Uh, do you remember the murder that happened over there on September on the school grounds back in 91? No, no. Don't know anything about that. 
Did you work in the summers back then? No, no, I didn't work in the summer. I don't, but I, man, I, but you know, bad neighborhood. There's a lot of murders around here, but uh, no, don't remember. So you don't remember the employee of the school that got killed on the grounds that you grounds keep. No, no, don't remember any of that. Do you know uh, any of the guys that uh, might be driving like white Camaros around here? No, no, man, that's a long time ago. So, anyway, Scott, there was a lot to that conversation. Given that it was terrible audio and it was windy and there was a tractor going in the background, uh, we cleaned it up and Mike did a masterful job. This actually, Mike, is a compliment to you. Well, thank you, sir. (laughs) You did such a good job of cleaning that up with just the relevant parts that uh, Scott from New York thought that that was the entirety of the conversation. I wasn't looking to waste anybody's time on that. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So anyway, Scott, thank you. And and again, hope you're not... uh, uh offended uh but good thoughts but yes we did talk to him quite a bit we just edited it we were going to have you listen to 25 minutes of terrible audio from a guy that didn't know anything so we just played the parts that were relevant to the conversation and speaking of relevant to the conversation mike i think that the relevancy of this conversation is now over right we're done i would agree i I would concur sir okay so we're closing it out now (laughs) Uh, yeah, we can close it out. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this week's Friday follow-up. Hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you tune in on Sunday for episode 311. I'd give them a little teaser, but we're still we're still juggling around what we're going to do. We have some interviews that uh, may happen between now and then, so we've got some in the can. So I can't really tell you exactly what's coming on Sunday, but I can tell you that it will be interesting. Truth and Justice is a production of New Beginning Incorporated. Our executive producer is Mike Bussing. Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com created all of the music for today's episode. The logo for the Friday Follows was created by Amanda Meyer of Willow Photo and Design. I want to thank our transcription team, Desiree Dunn, Sarah Hoyt, and Sarah Mueller. And also a big thank you to Chris Brinkley of SylviaConsultants.com for creating and managing our website. Keep sending in your thoughts, theories, and ideas to theories at TruthAndJusticePod.com. To stay in touch, you can leave us voicemails at 269-224-2833. You can like the Facebook page or follow us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. And I'm Mike Bussing. And this has been Truth and Justice. Fishing for bloopers. <laughs> they can get the candy out of your mouth while recording. Yeah. Like, did you really think it was a good idea to chomp on a mint? I didn't realize it was in there during the recording. Yeah, since th- yeah, since she-
<laughs> Are you okay? Hit reboot. That was crazy. Yes, that was like Jack. <laughs> that was like Jack Nicholson in Batman. Shut up with Michael Keaton. Yeah, when he had the joke. Yeah, I, 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 I get like, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. How about we just after I said my thing, we just like, <laughs> just like put a bump in there and just like eight seconds of bump, and then we just start instead of you saying, "Let's do it." Is that all right with you? All right. As usual. a producer, that's a decision I'll let you make. Per usual, we'll just uh, <laughs> Nick, mix my part. <laughs> Nick's your line. Go with mine. All right, Bob. This week we're going to talk... a Bobby sandwich. It's like Bob at the beginning and Bob at the end. Oh, this is so bad. You can't help but say stromboli. Stromboli. I can, I can hear it. It's like you have to hold yourself back when you say the word. You know I love me some stromboli, Mikey. <laughs> Last time you made stromboli, you brought me some for lunch. Uh, and it was delicioso. <laughs> what are you talking about? I was just trying to. Just... I was trying to make some content oh, for the ass. Yeah. Fuck, thanks for the yes and. Well, I was like, well, I'm thinking to myself, did I really do that? Like, no, did you I make didn't a blue that. apron stromboli and bring him some? You did make blue apron stromboli, but you didn't bring me any because yeah. you're an asshole. Yeah, I remember that now. Mm-hmm. I I had never eaten stromboli before that. That was your first stromboli. Yeah, Why? Yeah, because I'm going to cut off right where I start talking stupid and mumbling. So <laughs> that's going to happen. That's going to happen. I need you you're to start everything over. The, you're not going to leave the executive powers. Like, I got to look out for myself here. God dang it. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.